Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host today, Sam Carroll, and I am joined by Adam Jones, Dave Prentice, and Gavin Buckland as we look back on an unusual week for Evan because we lost. We lost our first game of the season. We had a six-minute, was it six, nine-minute meltdown? Nine-minute yeah. nine meltdown. And Aston Villa, not the best night for Luca Dean. Luca, if you're listening, you might want to just turn off now and... Listen to another podcast. Before we do get into the the nitty gritty of uh, Villa Park, the big news breaking today is that James Rodriguez is heading to Qatar for talks with a club over there about sealing a move away from Everton for the last nine months of his contract. Adam, James Rodriguez looking likely to leave Everton without ever playing in front of fans, ever experiencing that. Famous Goodison Park atmosphere. How disappointed are you? It, you can only you can only be disappointed, really, can't you? You know, it's it's so it's so different to the collective euphoria that we had uh, last summer when uh, his, his signing was confirmed. It, it felt like a really weird sort of time to be an Everton fan, didn't it? With Carlo Ancelotti as manager, James Rodriguez uh, play for the club. It was just. Just all very strange, and it just it just seems to have fizzled out into this sort of unceremonious and quite anticlimactic sort of end. We had obviously a summer full of speculation around him. It it kind of looked like he was gonna he was gonna stay at least until January. Whether he would have actually gone onto the pitch is another issue. Whether he was gonna continue complaining about his muscles or whatever was gonna whenever other excuses were gonna <laughs> crop up in, over the next couple of weeks or months, but yeah, you know, looking like he's going off to Qatar in talks with Al Rayyan, I think it is, over in Qatar. Uh it, it it just seems like a bit of a weird move even even so to me there. Like yeah, he's given up on his career. Yeah, well, it, obviously it's probably one of the only windows that's still open and if, if he does go over there, I can't imagine that he's gonna stay there for very long. It's it must just be like a sort of you know pay pay me some money, like get me some more regular football sort of thing for the next few months before he, like, before he maybe secures another move in the summer to you know, yeah, somewhere somewhere where he's gonna where he's gonna play a little bit more football. But you yeah. know, going over to Qatar to play, he's only he's still only thirty, isn't he? And you know, last season he proved that he could be such a creative and influential player in this Everton team. It it, it just seems very bizarre that he would go go to up to somewhere like Qatar and play football. You know. Um, can't say I watch the Qatari league very very often, but I can't imagine once the every stand- few weeks. Yeah, I can't imagine the standard of football is like well, James Rodriguez's level, let's yeah. say. So yeah, it, it it does all just feel like it's a little bit disappointing. You know, we we obviously wanted a little bit better from this sort of relationship between Rodriguez and Everton, but you know, if if 
if Rafa's not feeling it, if he's not feeling it, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances around you know, him not playing over the last few weeks have been, you know, Everton have done all right without him yeah. uh, at the start of this season. And I can only presume that they will continue to do all right, especially now, like, hopefully having his 200 grand a week wages off the books as well. So there are a couple of positives in the, in involved in all this, but yeah, it, it does just have this overriding sense of disappointment, I would say. Adam says it's, it's bizarre from Hannes' point of view, Dave, which I agree with, a, a player of his calibre going to Qatar. Also bizarre, you could argue, from Everton's point of view, in that we could only name eight subs against Aston Villa and we're arguably selling our best player to, to the Qatar League. What, what's your take on it? It's all very strange, isn't it? All a little bit surreal. I mean, we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, is it the manager, you know, sort of basically digging his heels in and refusing to use a player who's not showing everything he wants on the training pitch? Or, you know, is it the player himself, you know, sort of playing games and, you know, claiming he's got muscle strains or his dodgy calves playing up? We don't know the actual, you know, sort of true story, but, you know, behind the scenes here. But it does sound very, very unusual. I mean, this, this is a player who's obviously keen to represent his country, uh, you know, sort of keen to play in big games for Colombia. And he's going to give himself the best opportunity of doing that by playing in the Qatari League. And I know the next World Cup is in Qatar, but you know, even so, it doesn't sound like it's a great, you know, sort of platform to showcase his talents. Um, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, if he does end up going there, you would you would think it's just purely a financially driven uh, motive. In which case, you know, so what are the guy's ambitions really? I don't know. It's it's all very mixed up, all very strange. And you know, to quote, or to, you know, to repeat what Adam said, it's disappointing. You know, we've said a few times in the summer, you know, I wanted to see him at least play cameo roles between now and January, uh, at least sit on the substitutes bench and being that ninth member, you know, sort of Villa Park and coming on maybe for 20 minutes and, you know, sort of show what he can do. Uh, we're clearly not going to get that opportunity to see that. And um, just one of those strange Everton careers, you know, one of the highest profile players that, you know, so sort of we've probably had in terms of, you know, sort of world football standing. And yet he's never going to have played in front of an Everton crowd. Just very, very weird and very, very strange. But you have to trust the manager in as well. You know, he's seeing what's happening on the training pitch and he's made it clear what he wants to bring to his, uh, his first team squad. And clearly he doesn't think that Hammers can contribute to that. And it is a sizable chunk of wages that he's going to be you know, saving. Obviously, there's no good whatsoever in the short term because we can't bring anybody in until January at the very least. But it does maybe give him a little bit of wriggle room if it comes off, you know. So we don't even know if the talks are going to be successful yet. Yeah. Um, but, so if if it does, it gives him a little bit of wriggle room. Then maybe in January to you know so bring in a little bit more. But ultimately, yeah, it, it leaves you with a little bit of a slightly deflated feel, really. You know, so losing a player of that quality in the circumstances in which we're losing him. What's your gut feeling on it, Dave? Do you think it's driven by Rafa? Do you think it's driven by the player? Or do you think that it's got to the stage now where it just seems to be a mutual partner of the ways if the deal comes off? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think, um, you know, Rafa has set his stall out from the word go. Now, whether that is because of the money that Hammers is earning, whether it's because of what you witnessed in those first couple of weeks on the training pitch, we don't know. But having, you know, sort of set that stall out, it's almost like the player has dug his heels in now and said that, well, clearly you don't fancy me. Therefore, you know, so why should I, you know, sort of go through the motions, a player of my standing who's achieved what he's achieved in world football? I don't know. I'm second guessing there, but it looks like a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, you know, so one party playing, you know, off against the other. And uh, the, the losers, really, are probably the supporters who are, you know, sort of denied the opportunity to see a player 
of his quality because he is, you know, so he's a quality footballer and we saw in flashes last season what he can do. Some of the goals he scored, some of the set pieces he produced, and I will always, you know, so keep going back to that pass at Anfield for Richarlison. You know, they're all good moments that, you know, so, you know, we wanted to see from James Rodriguez and we're not going to see any more. But equally, I don't want to get too, you know, so wound up about it because, you know, what the manager's done so far has all worked for Everson's favour. You know, so everything he's done has been very, very positive and, you know, he's achieved, um, you know, sort of change already on, on a shoestring so far. So given a little bit more, you know, so, you know, bigger room in the, uh, the transfer market, mm-hmm. what can it do in the future? Who knows? So let, let's just, uh, let's just, you know, so stick with the manager's decision on this and see where it takes us. It does feel like, though, Gav, that, the supporters' attitude as well. Some Everton fans, their kind of view towards Hammers has changed as the summer has kind of worn on. It kind of started, didn't it, towards the end of last season when he missed our last two games to, to fly back for a Copa America that he never ended up playing in any way. Kind of seems like now a lot of people have settled upon the attitude of if he doesn't want to be here, good riddance. Is that is that your viewpoint at this stage? Or would you do you think that a player like Hammers in a team that, you know, is getting beat 3-0 at Aston Villa, should be playing a part at Everton, like Dave says, until January? Um, the performer, uh, to me, I think you mentioned whether it's the, it's the manager or the, the player driving this. I suspect the club is also driving this as well, in terms of having to reduce its pay bill. And it's also in the best interest of the club. To get, I mean, and the assumption is if Harris goes, that that his his new club, whoever that is, will pay all his wages. They may not. Might only pay fifty percent of his wages. You might be paying fifty percent of his wages. We don't know. Um, so I think there's other other stuff going on there, isn't it? It's the financial position of the club, which we don't you know done several times before. We don't need to revisit. Um, as regarding the fans' uh, perception, I'm, I'm I'm with that. Grievance can be a little bit divisive in the dressing room. As well, and around the training ground, notwithstanding his qualities, uh, to me, he, he the problems with him started at the end of last season. I just thought he was poor. In some games, I, I don't think he was even trying on, on some occasions. Though he wasn't alone there. Um, so I'm formally, I'm, I'm officially in the camp of you know just get rid. But to me, it's the it's the primary focus is the, the financial aspect of it. Um, and uh, you know, and, and the one lesson I've learned, or we. Perhaps the club should learn from this is never be in a position in future. And I'm talking about Ancelotti here as well. Is where we where we say as a group of supporters, aren't we lucky to have him at the club? I don't I think, think that's a very very. at the time and said the about Ancelotti that it shouldn't be the case that we were saying things like that about him and Hammers. Yeah, you do. You want to see, you know, so people that are part of a team and a squad, you know, so they're willing to, you know, make sacrifices for the for the greater good. And uh, you know what what Gavin says is absolutely spot on. I mean, remember the uh, the anger amongst Evertonians when you know Hammers wasn't taking part in that, you know, sort of end of season. What do they call it? Lap of I don't know, not, not celebration, but whatever it is. <laughs> at, at the end of the year, the final home game of the season when there was a crowd in there, and he was on a plane heading off to Colombia. And it just left a slightly sour taste. And um, yeah, I understand, you know, so why, you know, so a large number of the supporters feel that way. Just ultimately, just think having had a player of his quality in the squad and uh, not getting the opportunity to actually witness him play in front of a crowd, a little bit frustrating. But if the greater good at the end of it is going to be, you know, so a slightly more more together squad, all pulling in the same direction, well, uh, I'm with that. 
imagine two years ago, Gav, if we said you'd be on the Royal Blue podcast saying good riddance to James Rodriguez <laughs> to join an, to join a Qatari club. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. Quite yeah, yeah. It is, but hopefully we've learned from the mistake. I don't want people at the club who uh, we need we where we need them more than they need us. Yeah. Don't think that's a healthy position to get in. And I found last season some of the uh some of the comments made about you know the, the sort of the, the you know the sort of I don't know about how you best describe it, the over the top admiration to, to, to Ancelotti and Rodriguez from Evan supporters. I found it a bit uncomfortable, you know, that phrase I think I used it. You're in a dangerous place where you be you didn't throw to a manager or a footballer. Yeah. That that can quickly turn against you and be taken advantage of by those people. And I suspect both Ancelotti and to a lesser degree Hamas have, have done that. And I don't want Evan to be in the position again where that, that happens. Um because it's I think the whole the whole Ancelotti Rodriguez thing has held us back. Uh and we're now playing catch up and it's being costly. And I and I think I don't want those mistakes being made again. Nicely put. Mm. Well to read sorry, go on, Dave. No, I was just going to say the top stuff, Gav. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. You've converted me with your arguments there. I, I was like a, a, a Rodriguez apologist for a long time, but no, uh, I, I certainly can't argue with any of that. It's made me. It's made me want to book a flight to Spain and just going to go and battle Ancelotti. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's coming from experience. We're seeing successful Everton teams and the characters involved in those. Sam. Yeah. yeah. But what makes what makes successful teams? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've, I've seen Pierre Soldier, Gaff. I've seen Pierre Soldier, me. I'm talking from my own, own experience there as well. Um, that whole thing, I think I said on the pod a couple of times end of last season, I was very uncomfortable about that. We are, we are historically, we are a big club, but historically successful club. We shouldn't have people at the club who, who feel they're bigger than us. I don't think that's very healthy. And we, we, we acknowledge that sometimes. Well said. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, to rewind a couple of days, Adam, you were the unfortunate man to be at Villa Park alongside Phil Kirkbride. Mm. It kind of came full circle, didn't it? We had that amazing six minutes on Monday night against Burnley where we turned the game on its head and we looked comfortable, I thought, for most of the first half, even with several kind of key players out, like Pickford, Coleman, mm. Charles, and Calvert-Lewin. Um has it brought you back to earth with a real bang or are you very much just take, you know, this happens and when you look at the run of fixtures we've got either side of the Manchester United game, we, we can still come back from this. It's a team that's just finished 10th in the Premier League. Mm. These days are going to happen. Where, where do you kind of sit with, it was more the manner of the, yeah. the collapse, I thought, which wasn't great. Yeah, I think, it, it, I think for me, you just can't, I don't think you can read too much into it. I think the, these kind of things just happening football don't they and we were talking on the podcast last week actually I, w- I was saying that you know, if of all the good attacking football that we've shown this season 
I think we do need to improve defensively. And I think probably that uh, that came on full display on a uh, on Saturday evening. I thought we were playing, as you said, I thought we were quite comfortable. I thought we were playing quite well. Looked like we'd weathered that early bit of Villa pressure. We were just starting to climb up through the gears ourselves. And Tamadi Gray was getting a couple of chances in on goal. He had one where he just killed a shot wide. Uh, Alex Wobie had one where he brought a save out of Martinez as well after a nice little nice little one-two inside the box. So it, it looked like we were just starting to pick ourselves up through the gears. And then it's just, it's one defensive error from Luca Dean really, isn't it? And yeah. uh, suddenly Aston Villa, Aston Villa were in there. And it, it is exactly what happened to us against Burnley, isn't it? Like, I think the, the crowd were right, well, the crowd were right up for it for the whole game, to be honest. I thought the atmosphere was really, really good at Villa Park, to be fair, at the weekend. But it really got tough up a notch when Matty Cash scored. And uh, I think Everton did like crumble a little bit, and I think it kind of showed that the probably the most important player that we were missing was Seamus Coleman. I yeah. really, I really think in that sort of situation, especially when you've just got a goal down at a place like Villa Park, somebody with his sort of leadership on the pitch would have been really useful for us there. And you know, as good as Luca Dean is as a player, in when he's got the captain's armband on, I don't think he's really got those kind of leadership qualities about them to you know really rally the players together and make sure there's a reaction after going a goal down like that and you know he's really he's really unlucky to be the, the man who's flipped in that uh, that corner kick in the end it was a really good corner from Leon Bailey and then you know it's another defensive error on the other side for the third goal Godfrey you know he's not he's not a right back and I think he probably showed that uh with with that sort of thing he was, he was caught well too far inside wasn't he and left Leon Bailey in about 30 yards of space to score in the end. So, but, you know, like these these kinds of things do happen, don't they? As, as you say, we, we had a disappointing end to last season. I think it's maybe surprised a lot of people how well we've started this season. To be honest, we've been playing some really nice football. And, you know, I, th- I think we were still playing some nice football against Villa, barring that, you know, sort of 10 minute spell in the, in the second half. I think we I think we still played an all right game. I think it was a pretty even game if in on the whole balance of the game, if it had ended one one, for example, I think that probably would have been a pretty fair result. So I, d- I don't think it's one to really lose your head over or you know yeah. get all get all doom and gloom over. It's kind of just one of them where you've just got to go, right, okay, we we did yeah, we did get kind of done by the atmosphere there. It was just one of those things in in football. We're still kind of a new squad gelling together under a new manager, aren't we? Let's just brush that under the carpet. I think it's probably good that we've got a cup game a couple of days afterwards to just, you know, cleanse the palate, get, get yeah. that out of the system instantly, hopefully bounce back against QPR. And then we've got Norwich at home uh, next. That's another winnable game really, isn't it, on paper? So hopefully we'll be able to bounce back quite quickly. So yeah, I'm, I'm not getting I'm not getting too over the top about that. It's just kind of a defeat that happens, isn't it, really? We're going to lose. We're going to lose more games than that this season. Dave Adams mentioned his mistake, and I've seen a lot of people uh, kind of talking about it on on social media since the game. But but some people kind of questioning Luca Dean's form, maybe over the start of this season and, and the back end of last season. Where do you stand on Dean? Do you think he's set himself such high standards in maybe his first eighteen months, two years with the club that's going to be difficult to always match that, or do you think he's having a, a low in form? Well, I said, I think, in the podcast last week that I, I thought he was being harshly criticised and I thought it was maybe to do with a, a change in formation and a change of emphasis. 
um, which has not given him the opportunity to get forward as much as he had done uh, in you know previous seasons, and that you know in turn reflected upon you know so his stats not being as you know good as they would have been normally. Yet he was he was poor on Saturday. No doubt whatsoever about it. You know he was he was just muscled out a bit far too easily for that first goal. He almost like switched off. And then I don't know quite what he was thinking with the uh, with, with the own goal. You know, all right, so you know you can say it was a little bit unfortunate. It was a good delivery, but you still got to do better than that. So I'm probably inching towards the fact that yeah, he is having a lull in form at the moment compared to his very high standards that he'd set previously. Um, there's not a great deal we can do about that because we haven't got much in the way of uh, of options. You know, exactly to give him a rest. I mean, uh, can can John Joe Kenny play left back? I know he has done previously, but you know that that is like a you know, so asking a lot, you know, sort of him to, to stand in there. Do you reckon your old mate Umzi still got 19 as well? <laughs> he certainly provides uh, an obstacle. <laughs> maybe, maybe, not, maybe not quite as uh, mobile as he, as he once was. Well, um, no, generally, I, I thought the performance, and let's put this into the perspective of the side yeah. that, you know, so the manager had to send out there, that, you yeah. know, he was missing, you know, so seriously, you know, so influential players. As a result of, shall we say, slightly unusual interpretation of the laws of refereeing on the Monday night, uh, again the refereeing at the weekend was poor, wasn't it? Did VAR have a weekend off? Um, you know, Damari Gray, you know, so that clear tug on him, you know, so when the game was still nil nil, that was just completely and utterly ignored. That went against us. You know, the team selection went against the manager, and yet, despite all that, for an hour we were still very much in the game. And even at the end of the match, I mean, I don't really understand these XG statistics that we see. And yet watching match of the day on Saturday night, and you see that our, our XG statistics are almost identical to Villa's. I'm thinking, well, hang on, we're just being beaten 3-0 there. And yet that's yeah. suggesting that we each had, you know, sort of similarly good goal-scoring opportunities. So bottom line is, yeah, it, it's a bad day. It was a bad, you know, sort of 10 or 15 minutes. We did implode. We did defend badly again. Uh, but we need to learn from that. And the manager was quite good afterwards, you know, so he did try to keep a relatively level head on it, as he always does. And yeah, you're absolutely right about the beginning game, you know, so following on very, very hot on the heels to try and wipe that away, provided we can get 11 players to send out there. Because uh, the, the squad is absolutely stretched at the moment. I mean, does anybody know what happened to JP Gabamin? You know, so why wasn't he on the bench at the weekend? You know, I didn't see any explanation of his absence. Felt his qual, apparently. Right, okay, so that was a precaution. So, yeah, it, it, it's a concern, but, you know, we, we still have enough, you know, so in the bank to be able to go to QPR and wipe that away. But, yeah, we're not going to get too carried away. But to go back to your initial point, Sam, yeah, Luca Dean, for me, is, is having a lull at the moment, and it's a little bit concerning because he has set very, very high standards and he's not playing up to them at the moment. It's a concern, though, Gav, isn't it, that Preno there is using the term the squad is stretched. That, that's something you might be saying... After 30 games, if you're in a couple of cup yeah. competitions, we're, we're saying that after five games, we've we've took that gamble in the transfer market. You can't beat about the bush with it, can you? We've we've not invested and we've hoped to keep people fit, but that's kind of unravelled after five matches when your first choice goalkeeper, you know, your stars, your two yeah. star strikers, your your club captain, all on the uh, all in the physios room. A little bit concerning, isn't it? That you know. We can't go through spells like if if all these lads are out for two or three weeks, we're going to do yeah. well to to get results. Yeah, I'm not sure whether we've taken a gamble. Uh, is the phrase that's used? I know what you're saying. I'd, I'd say more like the the, the situation has been forced upon us because of our Maybe, yeah. 
overspending over the last few years. We've been forced into this role, uh, this role, yeah. this, this, haven't we? So, yeah, but at the same time, because we've done more, we've got like a couple of free transfers in just to fill the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get Unzi fit, as Prano was saying, but that doesn't sound like it. Unzi on one wing, two on the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it all boils down to not being able to spend, and and that's what what's here. So it'd be nice to, if there was a few more academy lads who were sort of in there. I don't know. You know, uh, Alice was on the uh, bench on on Saturday, um, and I think like the. That's the other frustrating thing. I mean, we look, we look, the end, you're looking at the team on the pitch and it, it doesn't look great, does it, to be honest with you? No. Um, and I, I agree. We should be talking about this in the middle of the dark, dark, dark days of nights of winter, not not like the still sunny September. And I, <laughs> saying that, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think the subs did us any favours, did they really? You know, took you think on, the on off and I was unfit. Yeah, I think they will be playing. Up top, I didn't know that way. Uh, I, I just thought uh, I, I can only I can only echo what's been said already for sixty minutes. You're sitting there, aren't you? We're comfortable here. I mean, the yeah. last I don't know what odds three 0 was to Villa after sixty minutes. I was suggesting probably very lengthy, and I think uh, Smith said afterwards it wasn't necessarily a reflection of the game. And uh, I think I'd, I'd, I think in one of your wrap up points you said about like it did raise questions about our defence. Collectively, and um, I said at the start of the season, I still think our sense of defence is something that needs working on quite a bit. And for that, the, the Luca Dini, he got obviously pulled apart for the first goal, but I was going mad at Mina. Mm. He starts, he starts running towards his own goal when Cash has gone past Dean, rather than running towards Cash. He runs, he runs like ninety degrees away from where he should be running. So consequently, Cash comes in, and then. Mina just stands there and then turns his back. He's, sense, he's like a six foot two, six foot three centre half. He turns his back. And and I would as much as me, uh Dini got got, you know, got pelters for his role. I was going mad at Mina for an experienced centre half. Should be doing better there. Uh, to be honest with you. And and I agree about Coleman. I don't think we're conceding that their goal that Coleman's on the pitch. Because mm, no I think way. we were badly organised from the uh, the throw in. Yeah, I think the real fault was that blame Godfrey. We look at our, we had about five, six players by their throwing, and we still managed to let the lads, you know, cross the, you know, put a crossfield ball in, and Godfrey just gets dragged over because actually we're not covered their their players. Uh, well, but I think Cole would have been there, wouldn't have got dragged over, and would have organised it better. You would hope, and I think I thought Godfrey got maybe a little bit unfair stick on that on a Saturday when the thought. What the problem was, our defense. But for Benitez, he'd be going mad at that, wouldn't he? Because mm. that's the sort of minute detail that he's well known for, you know, um, doing well. And uh, I didn't think we handled their, their throwing very well. And I think obviously he got stick as well. But I think there's other other players. You know, the core is not picking anybody up. He's just standing there, standing in space, doing nothing. Yeah. So, but overall, sixty minutes we're fine. I was actually a little bit disappointed. I think if we put a shift in here, we can get a get a win. Because I think they only have three shots on target themselves. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. As Adam pointed out before, wasn't it? It was on my stream. I was watching it. It was 
when Villa scored the first goal, was my stream was just seeing where Gray missed the far corner by a couple of inches. They, yeah. they could have scored straight from there. It could have been 1-0 to us. And instead, in the blink of an eye, it was 2-0 to them. It was it was, it was, it was a strange game all around, really, wasn't it? For those yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you could argue in the first half, a fully fit London could have got two in the first half, couldn't you? Yeah. Mm. You know, so I'm not too disappointed about the results. I know I've been taught a lesson. Don't be over overly positive. Oh. And get caught up in the moment in future forecasts. You'll never let it happen again. As, as, <laughs> as, as Preno, Preno reminded the world on Twitter on Friday night. Uh, <laughs> so and, he, and he's and he's a hundred percent like I need to go back to being miserable and uh, <laughs> on, on this type of stuff, you know. <laughs> but no, seriously, I'm, I'm not particularly concerned about the result, but I'm concerned that I did, as Adam put, pointed out in his piece. That it does show up some of the, the weaknesses in the defence that has been apparent in a couple of games thus far this season. And no wonder I think Benitez may be looking at the centre half. Adam Preno's asked, asked you about him a little bit earlier in the podcast, Gene Philippe uh, Jubaman. He's obviously got the, the full backing of, of everyone and, and all the Everton supporters, but it's starting to become slightly worrying. He, he needs to get himself fit and, mm. and having a run of games, doesn't he? Because you know, even even just missing the game here and there, it's really hampering. Is we just haven't seen anything from him yet, have we? It's it's yeah. so difficult. We can only judge him from that Huddersfield game, the Carabao Cup, where I thought he was decent, but still looked rusty at times. You can imagine, yeah, as you would imagine, yeah. But just slightly starting to hear on the side of Woody now, isn't it? A little bit. I don't know, not 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 necessarily for me. Yeah, because I mean, he he missed the Brighton game because of it. What, a tooth abscess was it like yeah. some sort of some sort of dental issue like this one I mean, like black cats as this lad like ran <laughs> over or something <laughs> it's just no yeah. luck is there he's just he's going around all the injuries that he could possibly get at this point isn't he and then he's, come back, the he's, come, he's, yeah, well, he's come back to the first one no, the, the, quad, the quad was the first one wasn't it so uh, <laughs> yeah like it, it's just going to be interesting to see how long he, he, he's kept out. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're particularly sure on that. Would, would he potentially be available for tomorrow's game against QPR? You'd suggest that a game against QPR would be an ideal one for to chuck him back in again, wouldn't you? Very similar to the Huddersfield game, I suppose. Away in the away in the cup championship team, you know they're not going to. Uh, it's going to be a tough game, obviously, and it's going to be a very physical sort of encounter. And I think those are kind of the best games to chuck Gabamon straight back in and give him that yeah. that sort of physical challenge that he's gonna he's gonna need to really to really improve. But as you say, a, a run of games is essentially what he needs. But are we in a position to give him a, a run of games? Mm. Like it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you know, well, discount discounting the weekend where I thought they were. Off well, a bit below par, I would say. Decore and Allen have started the season very, very, very well, haven't they? And you, you do, you do wonder to yourself: is there going to be a space for Gabamon? Because even when Gomez has been coming on again, you know, discounting the weekend, but when Gomez has been coming into these games, he's been playing really well as, as well, yeah. hasn't he? And he, you know, he, he works well, particularly well with Decore and helping them get forward a bit. You'd suggest that Gabamon's maybe target isn't targeting Allen's position in the squad. Because I think Gabamon's a more natural sort of defensive midfielder than than Allen, isn't he? So you know, if he can get a run of games behind him, then perhaps he can he can uh, target that position in the squad. But at the minute, what he what he needs, Everton can't even 
can't even give him. I don't think even if he has a really well, let's say let's say he's fit and he plays against QPR and has a really good game against QPR, is he going to start against Norwich? Probably not. Yeah. And then is he going to start against Man United? Probably not. Yeah. So it, it, exactly, it's a, it's a really it's a really tough situation for him at the minute, even if he does get fit. Yeah. So the fact that he is missing, you know, these games here and there for for these uh, little injuries, that I think that'll be the most frustrating thing for him. Really, is that you know he will be very aware that he does need to get these run of games together, and he just can't afford to be missing missing matches such as you know he probably would have got on against Villa at the weekend. I, I probably I would have imagined as one of those you know even one of those late subs when when the game was already done. Even if he'd come on for that last sort of ten minutes, it would have been beneficial to him. He can't really afford to be missing a game like tomorrow. As I say, because it's going to be a real physical test, and it could be, it could be exactly what he needs. So it's yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Kabamon over the next few weeks. The midfield, Credo, is there's a situation arising, really, isn't there, in which you know Rafa said Delph could be out for up to six weeks. It takes us up, you know, towards the festive running. That leave him with six months on his contract. You're probably not going to see too much more of Fabian Delph in and. In an Evan shirt, which I suppose will please some fans. We haven't seen much uh, of him anyway. <laughs> no. As we're talking yeah. about the squad being stretched, regardless of the form that Alan and Decore, you know, they have started the season well by the weekend. But there's an opportunity, isn't there, for your Jabamans, for your Gomez's, for your Davies. If you're playing well, you, you're going to get games and you could really kind of stamp your authority in that midfield. And the, the question is probably going to be if they can't do that, if Tom Davis can't force his way in, if Jabamon can't force his way into this midfield in its current state, we're just missing a lot of players, you know, Hammers, someone who, who could have potentially operated in a number 10 style role. They're probably not good enough for Everton in the long run. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out over the next weeks and months. It is, but, you know, we need players like that. You know, it's very much a squad game. Tom Davis is going to be very important tomorrow night uh, against yeah. QPR, as he, as he was against Huddersfield uh, in, in the last round. Um, and it all depends on what is round the corner. I mean, Alan has been great so whenever he's been available, but he had those hamstring issues, you know, last season. And uh, I wasn't sure if he'd come off at the weekend because he was feeling a, a knock or something, you know, 72 minutes in. You think, you know, why are we taking him off? So that just worried me a little bit. So, you know, there's always the potential, you know, for something to happen, you know, in that part of the pitch. I mean, Decore, fortunately, has been very, very uh, consistent in terms of his fitness since he's been here. And, you know, so hopefully that will continue. Uh, but you need, you know, sort of good, reliable players to step in, which is why it's so important for Gabamin to get a level of fitness, you know, and availability so that he can be called upon and show what he can produce when required. Otherwise, you know, your Andre Gomez, your Tom Davis are going to get the nod. Um, so, yeah, you know, those players need to be available as often as possible. But it's an area of the team that, you know, like most of the Everson squad at the moment, the first choice starting lineup looks pretty good. You know, so it looks like a, a, an 11 that could maybe challenge for the top six. But as we all know, football doesn't work that way because players do get injured. And, uh, you know, it's ironic really that two of our most consistent players in terms of availability, someone like Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, seem to be out for like, you know, sort of a reasonable period of time at the moment, which does, hasn't happened previously. So, you know, we, we rely on the squad. And at the moment, you know, the squad is very, very, I don't know, lacking in certain areas. You know, there's a first 11 who are very, very good. And below that, you know, there's not massive amounts of quality, you know, sort of in depth. And, you know, we, we'll see tomorrow night, you know, so whether that, you know, sort of depth of, 
quality is strong enough to overcome a decent championship size. I know they've lost the last two games back to back, but prior to that, they were flying and you know they were uh, you know so looking very very decent. So yeah, you know so you know time for the uh, the, the backup squad to come to the fore and show what they can do. You sounds a bit like uh, Dodsey off Mike Bassett there. First team squad looking very good. Reserve squad looking looking very bad. The whole thing's looking very bad. You're, you're, talking, you're talking modern popular culture. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, That's not modern. Uh, <laughs> Mike Bassett's modern. Gav, who's, who's tomorrow night important for then? Who, who, who do you think is going to get given a chance and has got a real, cha- uh, real opportunity to try and grab the attention of, of Rafa Benitez? I think it's important for the manager, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, important for Rafa to grab the attention of Rafa <laughs> yeah yeah. I think um, after coming off the results on Saturday and the, the Hamas thing and stuff you know it would be uh, nice to get you it could end up naming nice a stronger to team just to, to get the win and kind of ease the pressure a little bit from the weekend depends well have we got a, got a choice for the stronger team really yeah um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see. I can see a few. I thought the problem midfield on Saturday was they played three in the middle and we played two, didn't we? They played yeah. three five two. We played four four two. So consequently, had a spare man, and I think uh, Decore and Alan had the workers out there. Uh, to be fair, um, yeah, I, I think I'm thinking back to the time. I think the back lineup at Huddersfield. I think Gomez mm-hmm. might get a game tomorrow. To be yeah. fair, I think I see Gomez playing ninety yeah. minutes. And I think uh, Tom. Yeah, I think that's, and, and uh, Time for a rest for Damari Gray or Andros Townsend, maybe? Well, I think what it's shown on Saturday is that those players are going to probably be needed, aren't they, between now and Christmas? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 that should be strong enough, though, surely. Um, mm. So, it'd be, I'd like to see three, four, five players come in. Davis, Gomez, Gordon. Um, Paul Gays, Grant he might change the centre halves tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I suspect. Uh, yeah, so definitely an opportunity there for well, two things: a to impress, but b to get like ninety minutes under the belt. I mm. need old phrase that, isn't it? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I def- definitely think so. An opportunity for the two or three players there: uh, Davis and Gomez. I think being the two who would like to uh, to see given that opportunity. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Dave, to, to momentarily move away from Everton and talk about your old mucker, David Moyes, where do you stand on putting players on in the 94th minute to take a penalty? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, the, it's the big talk. Everyone, everyone wants to talk. Well, let's, let's just wrap it up. It was, it was so funny, wasn't it? I loved it. Um, you knew from the moment he came on he was missing that pen. Well, yeah. he's, he's done that before, David Moyes, successfully. If you remember, was it Fiorentina in the uh, in the Europa League where he brought on Thomas Graveson? Yeah, he was like yeah. a specialist uh, just to take a penalty, and Tommy scored. You know, unfortunately, Yakubu missed the one that mattered, didn't he, uh, that night? Um, or did Jagielka miss one? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I know Graveson certainly popped his away. Uh, so you know, maybe there's something lodged in the back of his uh, grey matter that you know this this has worked before. Let's do it again. Tommy Graveson's fired decision from Moise. Uh, but, but I was with, you know, totally the, uh, the, the Sky pundits who were just absolutely berating him for it. I mean, you know, it's such an intense fixture, you know, so you, you can't come onto it cold, no matter how good you are at set pieces. 
and you know and, and take a spot kick. I mean, as you all know, I'm magnificent with penalties, but even I wouldn't fancy even I wouldn't have fancied myself going on a situation <laughs> like that cold. No, it's just it, it was just it was so funny. I mean, you could sort of see it happening. And it wasn't even a great penalty, was it? You know, it was a good height. It was, you know, it's a reasonably cleanly struck. And what was that stat? David De Gea conceded his last 40 penalty kicks in succession. Mm-hmm. And he saves that one. But no, it, it, all, it all sets up for a great finish to the game because it was it was very entertaining stuff. And, uh, you know, so Lingard's goal and, you know, muted celebration was, was great in itself. And then for that to happen, Martin Atkinson again, though, why is he not giving a penalty straight away when it clearly is handball by Luke Shaw? Why has he got to go to VAR to actually... He's a, he's a dreadful referee. I know we've said this many times. We said it last Monday night. But oh, how many still refereeing Premier League games? I've no idea. Well, just to, to, to finish off, Adam, earlier this week, you went down to watch uh, Everton under-23s. And while we've been podcasting, they've announced the signing of under-18 striker. I'm probably going to murder this. <laughs> Francis... I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to Ocheronquo. Ocheronquo. Yeah, well done. I think, I nice. Ocheronquo. Yeah. Not a bad effort. Yeah, it was really. I've been practicing. He's still murdering Jean Philippe Gabamin, by the way. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably best that Sam didn't attempt that. Pronunciation's not my strong suit. Not gonna lie. Haven't put an emphasis though in in recent times signing young players and any names that you want to throw out there that people should be and obviously now that. Restrictions have been lifted a little bit, you know. Under twenty three years, you're playing Monday, Friday night. You can go down to Southport and watch if anyone mm-hmm. ever feels obliged. Good mm-hmm. night to take the take the kids down as well for a little yeah. taste of, of footy. But any names you want to lash out there to, to keep an eye on over the next eighteen months? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Like we've we've seemingly had a bit of a a bit of a revolution in terms of under under twenty threes players. There's a lot of a lot of younger lads stepping up and playing for the under twenty threes now, and it's probably. Probably why it's affected the results at the start of this season. They've not been not been a not been getting some great results at the start of this season because I think they are just like young lads and they still need to they still need to get up to this level. But you know, obviously we've got the likes of Tom Cannon and Lewis Dobbin up front who you know Lewis Dobbin especially scored loads of goals over the course of the summer, didn't he? He scored again on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, he got beat by Sheffield United 3-1, unfortunately, but Dobbin's goal was Pretty good. Probably you'll be a little bit disappointed that he didn't get a couple more in the second half of that game. Uh, Charlie Whitaker is the one who sticks out to me. You know, went out, went out with the uh, first team over the course of the summer, didn't he? Uh, out to Florida, uh, trained with them over over the summer. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he kicks on this season. He was given a rest on Friday. Uh, still, the one that always is flying under the radar at the minute as well is Tyler Onyango, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you know, he's had that uh, serious sort of long-term injury that he picked up in March, something like that, March, April mm. time, something like that, he picked up that injury. But it looks like he's going to be coming back probably late October-ish. We're, I think we're, we'd probably be expecting him back. So hopefully we'll see some uh, some really good performances from him again because he's just he's just an absolute beast in the midfield, isn't he? He's got so much, so much technical and physical ability about him. It's really... Really, really promising to see uh, to see players like that coming through. So yeah, there are there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of young lads coming through at the minute. But I think it's just just about patience <laughs> at the minute. It's it, especially with lads at that level and especially with lads at that age. You, you just you have just got to give them time to develop and you know learn learn the level that they're at. And you know I've got I've got no doubt in my mind that a couple of these a couple of this group you know, they're so talented they will make it. Whether that'll be Everton, well, you'd hope it'd be at Everton 
Uh, but whether it's Everton or somewhere else, they, they, there's a lot of talented youngsters in this squad that are going to make it. So let's just hope, fingers crossed, they can uh, keep producing for for Everton, and you know, hopefully, you know, even by the by the end of this season, Rafa Benitez might be needing them. If, we, <laughs> if the squad's stretched already now, he might he might be needing a couple of these lads towards the end of the season. So yeah, fingers crossed, they can just keep uh, keep kicking on. And yeah, like I don't need uh, reiterate what you said. Get down and watch the under 23s if you can, because it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really interesting season with these, to be honest. And Gavin, a, a little birdie tells me you've got a new book coming out at the uh, the end of September. So well, this, he didn't even ask for a plug, and he's getting one. I give three plugs. I've seen Dave getting uh, very excited about it on Twitter. Give us a uh, give us a brief overview of what it is. Yeah, me and Sam are on Encro chat together, you know, that nobody can see what we're saying, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's um, it's my follow-up to Money Can't Buy Us Love, which was Everton's 1961 to 73. It uh, takes the story from 1973 to 1985, Boys from the Blue stuff, a contemporary reference. Um and it's, it's just the same sort of format, takes a story from over them 12, shall we say, varied years, as Prenner will confirm, of, of, of watching Everton, um, tied in with the economic and cultural changes of the time. Uh, I, I to think I've stuck to a winning formula in terms of the, the format. Uh, it's not like it's not one of the, you know, we played them and then we played them and then we played them and then we played them, you know, for 12 years. It it's mixes things up. And uh, I talk about, um, you know, Billy Bingham, uh, Gordon Lee, which I'm sure Penno would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penno's peak years, what's Everton? And then I cover up Everton up to, uh, how, obviously, Howard's in the dark days of the early 80s through to the triumphant spring of, of 1985 and why it all happened. And try to analyse things, not just tell the story, try to give analysis of stuff and, and show how Everton did within the wider changes within the game. Of which there were many. I mean, a lot of the stuff in modern football is as a, the way modern football is drawn. There's a result of changes in the way the game was administered in the early eighties, and so it's all it's all tied in with that. And hopefully, it'll be as successful and well received as uh, oh. money can't buy us. So it was, uh, yeah. I'm sure it will be. I mean, Gav's being quite self-deprecating there. Money can't buy us. Love it was top class and a. Uh, Great read and educated a lot of people on a, a very successful period of the club's history. But it ended on a flat note, 1973, when, you know, so things were all a little bit, you know, so down after the glory that had preceded it. Gav's given us a happy ending this time. He's finishing in 1984 yeah. on an up note. But now I can't wait because, like you say, that is the era when I first started watching football, you know, so 1975 was my first game. So I can't wait uh, to pick it up. And, you know, what Gav says there about uh, a chronological history. Uh, another historical football book I'm reading at the moment, um, where the cool kids hung out, the chic years of the UEFA Cup. And um, it's okay. That is literally, you know, sort of blow by blow. This happened, that happened at the UEFA Cup. Gav's previous work isn't anything like that. It's analytical, it's entertaining, it's uh, anecdotal, lots of great stuff in there. And I'm absolutely confident not to pile any pressure on this show because he's already finished it now anyway, that this one is going to be just as good, if not better. So now I genuinely can't wait. He's got one buyer already here. How's that, yeah, Gaff? That was a nice, uh, that was a nice reference, though. Yeah, I know. That, that, yeah, thanks, uh, Prano. I really, really appreciate it coming from yourself, um, and hopefully we can have a chat, wider chat. On it's getting a bit too nice. This podcast, man. Well, Start slagging each other off again. 
But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, you know, it goes back to what I was saying at the start of the, the pod about how we, how we, how we are in our DNA and how that should be reflecting the type of people we want working for us, you know, and uh, yeah, it's really interesting time. It's quite slightly different because the 60s wasn't really there. But when you're writing about stuff anywhere there, it's a slightly different perspective on things, you know. But and uh, I'm sure Plano enjoyed the 77, 78 season. Bob Blatchford, all that'll be right up as uh, 76 league goals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> God knows how long. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, well, in the last year, Plano's been published, Gav's been published. There's only one thing for it, Adam. We've got to write uh, our own book, our own joint book. Yeah, yeah, and we'll yeah, Adam Sam we'll, book. We'll get our own table in Waterstones at Plano. <laughs> <laughs> and we only have to, Waterstones is basically next door to ours. Stones throw, yeah. So yeah. we could just walk over in our own yeah, time. We'll yeah. have to do none of this driving from Formby. Nah. Like, you, you had in your fine signed copies in there this week as well, if you're very yeah. unlucky. Uh, a member of the news desk actually did text me the other day to say that her mum, weirdly, absolutely loves you and was asking how she how she could get a signed copy. So I've That's what I like to hear. Yeah, Preno, you, you'll enjoy this. It's a podcast exclusive for you. Just have word from the Premier League. Did ask them this morning about uh, that Damari Gray incident and whether VAR checked it. VAR oh, did, did check it, and it decided it wasn't a clear and obvious error. So, oh, my word. Yeah, okay, that that somehow makes it even worse, doesn't it? What yeah. <laughs> a podcast exclusive. Yeah. I mean, having been relatively successful so far this season, VAR... The last seven days, it's been all over the place again. It's been very strange. Yeah. Wow. Well, on that note, we can all go off and, and fume at the yeah. Premier League <laughs> and at the AR. Well, thank you so much for your company, lads. It's been a nice 45 minutes. Hopefully, when we're back later this week, we'll be talking about a win over QPR in the Carabao Cup and looking ahead to what will be, hopefully, another winnable fixture for the Blues to get back to winning ways against Norwich City at the weekend you can follow the royal blue podcast group on facebook and join in the conversation there or i'm sure we're all pretty easy to find on twitter if you want to send in any of your questions or give us your thoughts on the podcast thank you so much for listening we've been the royal blue podcast you've been listening to the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo